Welcome back to the Movie Bible Podcast. This week, you've got myself, Colin. I'm joined by Nick and Brennan as we break down the opening weekend for The Invisible Man. Beware, there are minor spoilers over that movie. And remember, as always, you can check us out online at moviebubblereviews.com. Breaking down this weekend's top five at the box office, we've got The Invisible Man with $29 million domestically, followed by Sonic the Hedgehog with $16 million, Call of the Wild in the number three spot with $13.2 million and some change, followed by My Hero Academia Heroes Rising, which is a very long title, uh, pulling in a little bit over $5.1 million, and Bad Boys for Life rounds out the top five with $4.3 million. Uh, so it was honestly a pretty solid weekend for most of these movies especially for uh the the opening to the invisible man and my hero academia which had a pretty small release uh, i don't even know if it's really going to expand a whole lot more domestically but the invisible man is also just killing it um 29 million dollars on about a seven million dollar budget is just really strong it's sitting at almost 50 million dollars worldwide it's had pretty much only positive reactions for the most part. I know the three of us saw it, and I think we're all pretty much on the same page for this movie. Um, it's it's a very strong start. It's doing may, way better than The Mummy did three years ago, and Blumhouse's take on Universal's Dark Universe is much better than anything Universal ever tried to do. Oh, pouring out for the Dark Universe, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you remember The Mummy, <laughs> a movie that no one liked? Um, but yeah, I feel like for for like ever we've kind of we wanted to see these monster movies come back like they're just they're just cool characters and they have they're steeped in just kind of the history of uh, Hollywood and all this cool stuff but in, in like a big budget like action adventure movie just doesn't really make sense for it uh, but so it was it was really cool to see Invisible Man in this kind of setting uh, the Blumhouse model costs seven million to make and it's already made its budget back and then some and it's going to be incredibly successful but um, I really like this movie a lot. Um, I know, I guess we'll talk about it in, in, in depth further uh, further on, but uh, the second half of this movie is a little a little wonky for me, but you can't deny this is uh, just a real, it's, it's, a, it's a success already and it's doing great business and um, Lee Whannell is kind of staking his claim as a big time director after this one. Uh, it's It seems like just an, a success all around. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed this thing. I, I was, I mean, uh, from the first trailers, I thought this looked like a fun film. Uh, definitely could be a good time. You know, Elizabeth Moss is reliable when it comes to uh, picking the films that she's in. She's had a pretty good career up to this point. So I had some faith, and then the reviews started pouring in, the reactions started pouring in, and I was really hyped. And now here it is, and I really did have a good time with this thing. It is chilling for sure, and it, it it's scary in, in a unique way. And I, I love this take on The Invisible Man. Um Really great time, though, for sure. I would recommend going to see it. It's great with crowds. And just $29 million first weekend is great. But uh, $49 million worldwide at $7 million budget. That's a really strong start for this film. Yeah, and I mean, the word of mouth on this movie is just going to be very strong. And, you know, we are going to get into a crowded few weeks. Um, but I think The Invisible Man is going to have really strong legs because it's just had positive reactions across the board. Uh, everyone that's seen it seems to love it, which is, you know, pretty rare in a movie. Um, but I mean, it's got a B plus cinema score, which, you know, is obviously isn't an A or an A plus, but it's still pretty strong. 
And so I think this movie is going to keep going for a while. And hopefully we'll see some of the other Dark Universe characters uh, come to life in similar form because of it. Yeah, and it's it's always hard to judge that cinema score when you see a horror movie because there's a lot of people out there who will just be like, no, that movie scared me. I didn't like it, so let's give it an F. <laughs> there's just there's always just a bunch of that. So a B plus is pretty solid for this kind of movie. Um, but um, yeah, this movie kind of has quite a bit of time before something big comes up in terms of horror thriller. I mean, we have we have The Hunt, which will be a really interesting conversation on March 13th, but it doesn't feel like there's quite going to be the crossover. Um, with the crowd that would go see Invisible Man there. I'm, I'm more looking at A Quiet Place the next week, uh, Quiet Place Part 2, which comes out March 20th. It's, it's probably like the first like head-to-head kind of battle for the Invisible Man, so it kind of has this runway, uh, runway for a while with um, Onward and The Way Back coming out next week. Uh, it just It's going to just be able to hang around in theaters for a while, and um, I would suspect... I would, expect that this is the kind of thing that people will go back and see multiple times just because um like like brennan alluded to it's scary but not in a like oh my god i'm gonna feel sick ari aster just like just destroyed my <laughs> mind at the end of midsummer kind of way you know it's really fun and slick and it plays with negative space really well um so even though you're kind of you're feeling very anxious i know i was for the majority of the first half of this movie where i was just on pins and needles, just like when the ca- when the camera turns slightly, you're like, oh, he's there, he's chilling, he's chilling there in the in the shadows or something like that. Uh, so I think this is kind of one of those things, and it's such a like a, a virtuosic kind of like directing job by Lee Winnell that I think people are going to come back and see this movie quite a bit. This is a great example of the Blumhouse model kind of acing it. I mean, we look at some other Blumhouse films that have these low budgets and open up to mo- modest opening weekends. I think um, Fantasy Island is a decent example of that. And they might go on to make a good profit for the studio, but they're not really breaking through in a major way. I think this film is, is one that is going to break through, obviously, and we're seeing it in a much more major way. This thing could even pass 100 million worldwide by the end of it. It's already halfway there after its first weekend. Um, so this is definitely a great example of just that Blumhouse model owning it and uh, really looking good. So I, I expect this movie to do pretty well in the weeks to come. Yeah, and I think what I really appreciate about this movie is how it really just kind of brings the franchise back to what makes those old 1930s era universal horror movies work, um, which is just like a lot of stillness and kind of like you said, Nick, just like the way they use the camera and they use the negative space, which is what, especially if you look back at like the the mummy in I think 1930. Uh, this movie really reminded me of that. Obviously, this was a little bit more violent and used more computers, but it's kind of the same <laughs> feel to it. And I think Blumhouse has a much better beat on what makes these movies and these characters work than Universal did. Yeah, it's like like Brennan said, when there's every so often, like you get like all these like fantasy islands, which are just like awful, but they cost nothing. So they make money. But then every so often you get a director in here with with a vision who wants to do something new with the material, kind of like what Jordan Peele did with Get Out. And there's been so many other examples where Blumhouse has really hit it out of the park with Autor. Autor is just coming in and using the budget to the just the highest possibilities. Um, but yeah, like this is kind of an ingenious stroke about how to kind of reinvent classic material. Because I mean, there's so much talk already about how the the focus turns to the victim and all this, and that brings on a whole bunch of interesting things about victim and gaslighting that's just really relevant 
right now in light of just me too and everything that's gone on with Harvey Weinstein in the recent weeks. Uh, so there's just, there's, it's a lot of just, it's just really smart. And I think this is Lee Winnell just kind of showing quite, he's, he's been a writer for so long with this is only, it's really his only second movie that he's directed. So this kind of just, this and upgrade together to show how just strong of a vision he has and how like a, what kind of visual sense he, he has in a lot of his movies. Um, Cause he kind of, even with upgrade um, he kind of invented this way of filming action where the camera's just flying all over the place. And it's, it's almost like he's like behind the camera, just going, just like yelling, like just like going wee the whole time. Cause he's just like cameras freaking out. And there's, there's a lot of that in Invisible man too. Uh, he's having a lot of fun there. So um I think this is a great sign of things to come for him. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does next because he seems like he's really interested in these sort of, maybe not, um, he, he likes original tales, but it'll be interesting to see what he does. Maybe if Blumhouse or Universal comes back and it's like, hey, we got this property or, I don't know, Marvel comes around and says, hey, you want to do this for us? Um, so I, he's definitely someone to watch. I'm really fascinated to see what he does next. Yeah, this the, the uh, action sequences here, definitely looked a lot like upgrade and he does have i think he's trying to mold kind of a distinct style i really enjoyed upgrade that was a really good time as well i think this is a great um uh step away from that and kind of doing something new but he he has he a really interesting um creative vision behind the camera so i'm excited to see what he does next yeah and i'm excited to see where they take because they, they definitely set this up for somewhat of a sequel um and I mean, I, I have to imagine Universal still trying to make the Dark Universe happen to some extent. Um, so I'm interested to see how they take this story forward or whether they just kind of leave things open-ended and work with some of the other characters or, you know, just find ways to rework the premise. But I, I think it leaves some interesting doors open and I'm excited to see Blumhouse manage that and manage it without trying to cram, you know, every horror movie into the mummy like they did in the mummy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess there's, if there's one thing I can say, it's like, this has kind of been a joke that's been all around film Twitter, but it's like, can we get Elizabeth Moss in like a really happy, like rom, rom-com or something like that? Because <laughs> I feel like she's always in these movies. Like you see like her smell last year, which is probably my favorite performance, male or female that I saw. And she's just like this, Courtney Love, uh, just really, just she's just out of her mind on drugs as as this grunge rock star. And she's just always in peril. And, and hey, we got The Handmaid's Tale and everything like that. I just she's a great actress and she's so good in all these movies. But part of me is like, Jesus, like just take it easy, like take a paycheck, have fun, be charming on screen, you know. And so it's just some of this stuff is just really rough. Yeah, I saw a similar tweet to that uh, um, that was trending a little while ago shouting out kind of trying to get Daniel Kaluuya to get into something. It's a little bit more uh, happy. <laughs> He's another person <laughs> that has kind of played, played roles or been in films that are a little bit uh, on the dark side of things. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is a joke though. Cause she is so good in this movie. And I mean, she's just good. She's like routinely like the best part of whatever she's in. And a lot of this, I mean, as we talked about, it's, there's a lot of negative space in this movie. So she has to flail against nothing. And I mean, some of that doesn't really work, but she's trying her best and she's, she's putting like all of this material on, on her shoulders and she's doing it really well. And this movie probably doesn't work with about 99% of other actresses. So it's just a testament to how great she is. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just, I just really like this movie and I think it's a pretty good start 
to uh, horror movies this year because The Turning certainly wasn't doing anything. <laughs> oh, um, no. <laughs> but I, I really am glad it's succeeding a lot. I mean, you know, it's already at 50 million, which is just really solid. Should keep going for the most part. And yeah, that's The Invisible Man. Yeah, do we have any negatives that we want to share about this movie at all? Or anything like that? Because I feel like, I don't know, for me personally, I feel like the se- the first half is a lot better than the second half. I don't know if you guys had anything. I wasn't a big fan of the plot twist because it felt really obvious with uh, the the brother characters. That yeah. as, as soon as, what was his name, Tom was like, well, my brother, we know how he was. I was like, oh yeah, I bet he's the killer. And then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have many uh, major gripes with this film. There were a few moments that I felt um, there's always some things in a movie that I don't that sometimes I don't feel uh, float super smoothly. Uh, I think that happened a few times in this film, Um, but but huge actual plot points. There weren't a ton that I kind of uh, took a distaste to. Maybe there were a few that I wasn't completely on board with or I wish they went in a different direction slightly. But for the most part, I, I don't have too many complaints with this film. Uh, definitely really enjoyable. Um, but yeah, I think they could have also dove deeper a little bit into um, some of the psyche of her character and what she was going through because you saw a lot of it, but I, I think they could have even done a little bit more. But um, I think there were there were definitely a lot of possibilities for how this film could have turned out, a lot of different uh, directions they could have went in. Um, but I, I'm happy with what they chose to do. Yeah, I wonder, because... I, I I really like the first half, and I think the second half kind of gets into weird sci-fi, kind of just bad, like, not bad B-movie, but just, it just doesn't, I feel like it doesn't compare to the first half. And I feel like, I know that the, like, kind of the origin of this character is like, oh, it's a crazy scientist, and his kind of, his creation kind of goes against him, and he kind of turns invisible from there. But I feel like a lot of the issues I have with this movie kind of go away if this turns into some kind of ghost story, or there's something supernatural going on here. Um I don't really know how you kind of fit that in and kind of honor the kind of lineage of this character, but I feel like kind of like the plot mechanics of like, oh, like this is just like some dude who's really good at optics and has like this invisible suit. <laughs> like I feel like a lot of that stuff, all that silly stuff that's kind of lingering underneath this kind of very serious movie kind of go away. If, but I don't know. I think it's tough. I mean, Lee Winnell is just, he's really doing his best to update while also paying homage to a lot of the stuff that makes the invisible man so cool. So um, you really can't like beat him over the head with it, but I don't know. Just a little gripe I have, I guess. Yeah. So with that, we will move on to Sonic the Hedgehog, which is actually doing pretty well. Um, no one really saw that coming a month ago, but it pulled in another 16 million this weekend. It's sitting at about $265 million worldwide um, and on an $85 million estimated budget is turning a solid profit and it seems to people seem to have reacted fairly positively to it so sonic is doing pretty well yeah it's beating the memes we kind of talked about this a few weeks ago but it's it's just hanging in there it's kind of it's taking advantage of kind of like the lighter load of big time movies the past couple weeks but just kind of decent drops week to week it's that sequel is definitely coming so hopefully maybe paramount can kind of keep the budget down again and who knows maybe we have a Sega extended universe at some point. I don't know. That sounds awful, but maybe we'll get it. <laughs> if, if, yeah, if they're able to keep the budget down, there's definitely a, a possibility for a, a, some sort of universe here and probably a successful brand of sequels. But 
the movie's well on its way to 300 million globally. This is another really strong uh, performance this weekend. Uh, 16 million dollars, 39 percent drop. They're already outpacing uh, the Call of the Wild, which opened up slightly ahead of it last weekend, if I. I'm not mistaken, or they were around uh, even together last weekend. Um, but yeah, Sonic's looking great. Um, this was all pure curiosity at the beginning. Now it's just good reception, good buzz, and now it's just kind of uh, the sky's the limit. Yeah, and I'm pretty pro Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, I enjoyed this movie; it was fun, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more. So long as there are no more Olive Garden jokes. Uh, oh my gosh, that's the worst. If, if I have to hear James Marsden say, when you hear your family one more time, I will quit. <laughs> I think we figured out why the budget was kind of low in this movie. Because <laughs> just like, what was it the, the, the few years ago? Oh, is um Krispy Kreme with uh, Power Rangers, where it probably paid for like half the budget because the, the third act like revolved around uh, the MacGuffin being at the Krispy Kreme. Oh my God, it's so terrible. Uh, <laughs> Or but yeah, it's, donuts and yeah, it's and just uh, it's just the worst. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm really interested to see what this movie does next week because I feel like uh, Onward coming out I feel like is like the first like true head to head type of thing for Sonic and Call of the Wild kind of it's PG movie but not really. This seems like it's this has Onward has high fantasy tied to it. So I feel like that's kind of the first big test for it. So. I think next week we'll, we'll kind of see maybe if uh, Sonic stays around and has less than the 50% drop, then maybe its legs will be really, really great. But um, that's, I, I think that's kind of really, it's like its last kind of hill to get over, I guess, because it's just doing really well. And I don't really know if it's going to leave theaters soon. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's already turned a solid profit. So w- whether or not it, just gets demolished by onward is somewhat irrelevant at this point. Um, I mean, obviously I'm pretty sure Paramount would, would like it to crush onward and make more money, but I think it's, it's still done pretty well. It's done far better than anybody really expected it to. And I think overall the movie, despite it's olive garden flaws was a lot better than anybody really expected it to be too. <laughs> um, yeah. Next week going to be interesting with uh with the onward dynamic thrown in but i think with sonic now you just i think there's definitely they've definitely found a loyal kind of fan base and i think that there might be some repeat viewings but even if there's not that that positive reception and buzz is, is definitely going to carry over and i expect this film's not going to have a, a major drop next weekend or even in the weekends to follow um but maybe maybe it'll get to around a 50 percent drop on a week-to-week basis from this point out but even that is pretty positive yeah, and this is coming at a time where we've kind of dogged on Paramount for like ever, I feel like, on this podcast. But this is kind of shaping up to be kind of like the turning point for them this year because they actually have a, a lot of movies coming out the rest of the year. So, I mean, they started out with Like a Boss, um, which no one remembers already. And then The Rhythm Section, which was quietly like one of the worst performing movies of the year compared to its budget. And then we made like $2 million as opposed to on like a $50 million budget. Uh, really bad. But... After Sonic, it feels it, it seems like Paramount's kind of turning the page here, and they have a lot of big stuff coming out. Like next week, they have or a couple weeks from now, they have A Quiet Place Part Two. Then after that is The Lovebirds, which is I've seen that trailer before every single movie that I've seen in theaters, and it seems like people are interested in it. So maybe I think that might be the the spring comedy that breaks out that we I think we see every year. 
Um, then after that, we have the SpongeBob movie, which I'm here for because of because memes. I just I'm very excited for that movie. It's Keanu Reeves as a sage in a sage in like a tumbleweed. So that sounds incredible. And after that, you have Top Gun Maverick, and then after yeah, they have some big prestige type movies too. They have a Aaron Sorkin movie coming out in September. The they have a this movie called The Tomorrow War with uh, Chris Pratt. It's a big uh, Christmas release. They have Coming to America as well. Um, so it seems like I mean. This all looks great on paper, but Paramount looks like it's this is shaping up to be a big year for them, starting with Sonic. Thank God they needed it. Yeah, they were they were not looking good for a while there. I think there was like something where it's like in 2017 or 18, people were like, "Oh, is this is Paramount just gonna like just like sell to someone or just like close?" Um, so yeah, this is this is a big deal for them, and they're they're definitely they've put a lot of money into a lot of these projects. Yeah, and so speaking of putting a lot of money into something, we'll move on to Call of the Wild, <laughs> which has a whopping budget of $135 million, uh, pulled in a little over $13 million this past weekend to land itself at about $79 million worldwide. Uh, so this is a movie that is not making money. This is another holdover from uh, 20th Century Fox that is now a Disney movie, and it's just... Disney kind of getting rid of what's left over. <laughs> and yeah, this movie's not making money. Nobody really seems to love it or even like it. And it's, it's just kind of there. It is so just there. Like it is so down the middle two two and a half out of five stars that you could ever ask for type of thing. And it's so weird. This movie cost $135 million And like you see, like there had to be like weird reshoots on this movie because just all the CGI, like the dogs are just, uh, there's, it's, it's so uncooked CGI <laughs> It's terrible. Like you can kind of see like the outline of like the, like the background behind them kind of like billowing off of them. It's kind of blurry. Like they, it, it feels like they, they were going over budget on this movie and they had to refix some of the dog stuff and they didn't quite have time to go over, like to do like the, like the last couple like layerings that they do for a lot of these things. Um, it feels like it's like slightly still previs a little bit, um, but it's it's just like the most like trying to be wholesome like American capital A movie, <laughs> just Harrison Ford's just out in the wild just being drunk and it's really funny to me. <laughs> I gained a lot of meta jokes out of that out of his character, um, but yeah, this movie it's so weird. I, it was it's just weird all around seeing the 20th Century Studios logo before it was just really off putting to me. It just Everything about this movie is very, very strange to me. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll even check it out, but... Please don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, this is, like, I don't know. Box office-wise, it's not looking good, especially just considering that budget. I think this is a movie that is to fall on uh, streaming at some point. It's I thought it was going to be a, a, a Disney Plus release, like, a little while back. Then I found out it was dropping... Uh, uh, wide in theaters and last weekend it, in my opinion it overperformed slightly but that's still not enough to make up uh, the insurmountable budget that it has yeah it's it's not a successful movie <laughs> and I feel like this is something I could have seen being a Disney Plus release or at least you know even probably not of this budget but I feel like this would have been something they would have launched with instead of a theatrical release but I feel like the budget was big enough. And I mean, it's Harrison Ford. They're like, we might as well just keep it in theaters. And 
I don't know. I feel like Disney didn't really know what they wanted to do with this movie either, since it was one of the last Fox movies. Yeah, and it's it's doing fine. Like if you don't if you don't even take the budget into consideration, like it's doing okay business. Like kind of like a little more than you'd expect for this type of thing. But yeah, it's just that budget's it's just absurd. Like I was looking at it. Like I knew since we were kind of, I was kind of late seeing this one. I I knew that budget figure going into it. So I was just kind of looking like, all right, like what did what could they possibly have spent it on? And it it really seems like it was one of those things where they. Had a lot of CGI and it got out of hand. And then this, it's, this this is why this movie is a February release and not like somewhere later in the year because it just had a lot of production issues. So they just plopped it here. Um, like I said, it, it's just not terrible, but it, it leaves no impression like at all. And just kind of just dogs just being CGI dogs. And it's yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's just it is just such a non-starter for me. And I'm it's it's the kind of movie where if you're seven or 70, I think you might find a lot of enjoyment in it because it's just it's trying so hard to be incredibly wholesome and just like oh there's a cute dog except it doesn't really work because of the cgi but um <laughs> it's just yeah it's it's just a dud for me personally so um yeah maybe disney plus gives it a boost later on who knows so that is call of the wild and we'll move on to my hero academia heroes rising which is in a pretty limited release domestically Pulled in a little bit over $5.1 million and is, I mean, it, it doesn't need to make a ton of money because it is a much smaller release domestically. Uh, the biggest audience for this is in Japan, where it was actually released in December. I'm not very familiar with the source material, but I don't know what you guys know or think about it. Yeah, I have no idea. So <laughs> I was like, what the hell is this? But it is it is a big deal it's i just from looking at the log line it's basically there it's just a world full of superheroes and one kid doesn't have any but he he tries really hard and gets into a school for super, superheroes to get get in training so that's kind of it um but yeah like there's if it, it reminds me a lot of yeah, last year or you guys remember that dragon ball super broly movie that came out yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's it's the same it's the same distributor so Funimation Entertainment they do a lot of uh, like subtitles and dubbing for manga thing and things like that that come over from uh, Japan and whatnot but um, so they've they've kind of figured out where yeah like you said this movie's only in uh, like one thousand twelve uh, one thousand two hundred theaters um, so it's not a crazy high theater count but they've they figured out a way to kind of transport a lot, a lot of these manga um, properties that have a very just very strong um, fan base that really, really like this stuff that will go see it. And they've kind of figured out how to strategically like release this movie. So, I mean, even that like feels like a large theater theater count for this type of property. But I mean, uh, the Super Broly ended up making over 100 million worldwide. And I don't think this movie will, is not going to get there, but. Um, it's doing very well, and they've—I think—they've kind of cracked a code on kind of this micro-targeting thing, where they just know kind of where people are, in what locations people will go see this movie in droves, and so they're—they're they're doing really good business with it. And so with that, we'll move on to Bad Boys for Life, which is still here um, in the top five. It's—it's it's been putting in work, honestly. Um, it's it's over four hundred million dollars worldwide on a ninety million dollar budget. Uh, this has been just a massive success for Sony um, and for the franchise that for has been dead for twenty years. 
Um, but it's just, it's really doing work for Will Smith and Martin Lawrence and making sure they still have paychecks to cash. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is the last weekend we'll see it in the top five, especially with uh, Onward next weekend. And I think uh, the new Ben Affleck film, uh, The Way Back, is that it's Yes. That's yeah, that's that's dropping next weekend. I stay well. not the way way back. I stay in that movie. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? Way. No, just the, just just the way back. Not... <laughs> uh, no, I'm looking forward to that too. But I, I don't know if that's getting a wide release next weekend. I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm pretty pretty sure it is though. But uh, with that and onward, it, Bad Boys for Life is getting booted uh, from the top five most likely next weekend. Um, but seven weeks here, and it's still still standing and still going strong. That's legs, and that is just a fantastic run at the box office. And uh, soon enough, we're going to get that fourth film, I think, in the next couple of years. So uh, there you go. Yeah, and it's going to cross $200 million probably this week at the domestic box office. So, yeah, it just continues to do really well. It's the box office success story of the year so far. Yeah, it is. It's making, making money, which is really <laughs> what they want these movies to be doing. So... <laughs> Um, so that does round out the top five, but we do have a few other movies we want to touch on. So there's the Impractical Jokers movie, which opened last week, distributed by True TV. Never thought I'd see that. Um, <laughs> but it's pulled in around $6.6 million domestically, um, which isn't, you know, what do you call a monster success but this is a very different ball game you're playing with something like this because it's basically just <laughs> a it, it's a hidden camera setup it's basically just the tv show in a, an extended format it's had a somewhat smaller release but it's i mean it's doing pretty well yeah it's kind of the same thing we were talking about with my hero academia where it's just they've they figured out a way to just to kind of smartly place this in the, like probably more theaters than it deserves and it's doing all right business and it's just it is weird people people fucking love this show and it's so strange to see it do well for so long has it it's been like on tv for what like a decade i don't even know it's been on there for a really long time uh, but yeah it's just the fact that this thing exists i think is just so weird to me as a movie it's just very strange yeah, I don't know. This is, to me, just the, this whole scenario. I was talking about this to you guys before it came on, but it feels so, like, 2012 to me. Like, this is, <laughs> so true. You, this is something that you'd see just happen, like, as kind of an experiment several years ago, and it just turns into, like, this little trend um, of TV shows just doing quick spin-off films. But, yeah, they, they have their audience, right? They've, they've tapped into something here, and they're making a considerable amount of money at the box office. Why not, right? Yeah, it reminds me of... Um kind of between two ferns the the movie when that came out on netflix like this it feels like this should be something that you, you would see on a see on a streaming service but i don't know they they took about it on themselves and they've made almost seven million so and it probably cost like what like you said like two pennies to make or something like that so yeah, yeah. you really can't really can't looks complain. like it looks like it cost about three million and they've already made like you said <laughs> over six um so it's it's doing pretty well i'm sure streaming wise it'll have pretty solid legs just because it already has that built-in audience with all of the fans of the tv show so it's it's weird just kind of here but it works yeah and i'm sure this will kind of go on it'll actually play on true tv at some point it'll have some big like tv premiere and i can I imagine that it was probably free advertising for like the last like months or so they could just play like hey this is coming on so if you love the show come see the movie so i can't imagine there was much like a lot of costs going into this. So it's probably really smart by them to throw it out in the theaters. 
yeah, and so that is Impractical Jokers. And then we will move on to Emma, which was the other film that's in a very limited release. Um, it started off in five theaters last week, opened up to 97, and then it expands further here. I know it expands uh, quite a bit this next weekend, and I believe it will expand a little bit more after that. Yeah, I think it's going wide and sometime in March. I think it's actually next week it actually goes fully wide. Um, but yeah, this movie is fucking hilarious. I saw this movie this weekend. It is so funny in the most British kind of way where it's people just are just like in that British sort of way. Where they're just very awkward or they're like, oh, my oh heavens. Oh, no. <laughs> and they're just they're really like like they, they, they have like the upper chin type of thing you see in like these um, kind of and in these costume dramas where they're, they're part of the aristocracy and they're, they're just, they're so petty to each other and snooty. It's, it is so funny. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy plays Emma and this is the latest adaptation of the Jane Austen um, book. And it is just delightful. Um, and I don't really want to say much more than that because I want people to go see this movie, but it is, it is really, really funny and kind of one of the surprises of the year so far for me. Yeah. I'm really excited to see this. So I've been looking forward to it it for a while i love anya taylor joy she's great and i want to want to see her in more so this was a uh, really welcoming kind of turn for her um so i've been hyped for this thing ever since i saw the trailer i think it was actually before little women uh the first time i saw this trailer and that was the first time i heard about the film um so i'm, I'm looking forward to it i was kind of upset last weekend it only in five theaters got its little um uh little kind of T's released there, LA, New York, whatever. And then this weekend up to 97, and it's getting there. But next weekend, I'm looking forward to it, Ed. I think it's going to be a, an absolute uh, ball. So based off what you said too, Nick, it sounds like it's it's definitely what I'm expecting. Yeah, and it's so beautiful to look at. The, the production design is incredible. Cinematography is great. And it's, like I was saying, how funny it is. Like, there's not even, like, jokes that are happening, but it's still hilarious. Like, it's people reacting to things. And Bill Nye, we've seen in basically every movie ever ever as he's a really good character actor but he's in this movie as emma's dad and he is just so funny just reacting to stuff and there's a there's like a running gag where every time he sits down in a chair he feels like a draft from the windows they have to like basically all like the all the help has to like surround him to like keep the draft from him they have to like put up like the changing like kind of like um, boards that kind of just shield him off of everything. So there's just scenes where he's just standing, sitting, reading it with his paper. And there's just like all these like things surrounding him. He's so funny in this movie. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just an utter delight. And there's just, there's a lot of good romance in it. Um, just a lot of goofiness. Just, it's really, really witty and smart. Um, yeah. I can't, I can't recommend this movie enough. I really loved it. Do you see that? This film having any uh, kind of end of the year awards legs? Do you think it could return at any time, uh, not to theaters per se, but return kind of into some sort of discussion for awards potentially at the end of the year? Do you think it's just too early, too small? What do you? What's your take? Uh, it's definitely too early, I would say. Like especially mm -hmm. coming off of Little Women, you like, like I feel like you should release this movie like later on in the year. It seems yeah. that seems smart, but if this movie doesn't get like a production design or costume design, like at least consideration, like that would be really strange. Cause it's just, it looks so elegant from start to finish. So, I mean, you, you do kind of see that with like a lot of like the below the line, uh, Oscars where it's things kind of, it's kind of more spread out all throughout the year or in like more like the best picture and acting is stuff released in, in the fall. But, um, that's kind of where I see this at this point. I don't really see it doing anything else besides that, which is a little unfortunate, but, 
um, yeah, if this doesn't get like a costume or anything like that, this that would be really stupid. <laughs> if it uh, if it if it does good business at the box office and, and really kind of makes a decent name for itself, I could I could maybe seeing it make some sort of maybe small play um, maybe late in the year. But you're right. I think just it being too early is kind of the biggest thing. But uh, hey, we get a nice early year surprise. Yeah, and it is focus features, so like, just that's a they're big distributors, so they'll give this movie a chance. That there's no doubt about it, and it is going wide. So, um, it'll, it's definitely not going to be one of those things that disappears and no one gets a chance to see it. So, um, I hope everyone goes out and sees it because it's delightful. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it uh, this next weekend because I know it's coming to me, and I, I'm going in. I mean, obviously, I'm kind of familiar with the source material a little bit, and I've seen the trailer, but I'm going in pretty blind as to what this movie actually is and so i'm excited to be surprised by it as well and that pretty much wraps up this weekend at the box office uh we'll have some pretty busy weeks here here in the next coming weeks with onward and a quiet place and the way back and uh just as we start to jump into almost the summer box office has kind of started in april these past couple years and, you know, even with Mulan at the end of the month, it almost feels like it's starting at the end of March. So remember, as always, you can check us out online at moviebabblereviews.com. Mm-hmm.